Would you join me tonight in our study of the book of Esther in the chapter 8? Chapter 8 of the book of Esther. What a glorious, delightful, blessed gospel presentation we find here in the book of Esther. And we're enjoying these parts, these blessings and these verses that have what God has sent out, is going to have sent out a message to the Jews. A message to the Jews. In verse 7 of this 8th chapter, we read these words. Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen, and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Now, notice verse 8 with me. Write ye also for the Jews as it liketh you in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. Now, I'd like to say just a few words about that verse 8 because we find a very important principle brought out in this verse of Scripture, and that is this writing for freedom, this writing for liberty, this writing for God's grace is written to a specific group of people. It was not written to the world in general. It was written to God's people. And in this passage of Scripture, we hear their name as Jew. Now, we find so often that this name is symbolic to us as the church. We find, in fact, in the New Testament, a number of places where the church is called Jews. And not all Jews are of, of Israel. Not every Jew that was ever born. It's those who have been descendants of Abraham by faith. Not those that are physical, but those that are spiritual. Well, this message is addressed to all Jews and all Jews that are in captivity in this passage of Scripture. And we find that this message to all the Jews and only for the Jews is as the Bible is written to the church. You know, only the church will ever truly benefit from the Word of God. Only saints will truly benefit. Now, we have people that have used it for good instruction. We have people who have used it for teaching people how to be good neighbors. But when it comes to spiritual benefits, only saved people, only the church, only the elect will ever have spiritual benefits from the Word of God. He that hath an ear. Now, we find when the Lord was teaching, the Pharisees had a physical ear, but they caught very, very little of what he had to say, except they perceived that he spoke of you. <laughs> so we have this. The, the benefit of the Word of God is for the church. The Bible will not enlighten any but the elect. It, we visit with family, we visit with friends, we visit with neighbors, and we walk away and say, why in the world can't they see that? Well, once we study the Word just a little bit, we understand why they can't see it. The same reason we couldn't see it until we were born again, until God enlightened us with His Spirit. The Spirit reveals the truth of God's Word. And we find the Bible will not bless any but the elect. And the Bible will not encourage any but the elect. I mean true encouragement. 
These people needed true encouragement. Mordecai needed encouragement. Job needed encouragement. Esther needed encouragement. You and I need encouragement. And we find that only true uh, believers get encouraged by the Word of God. We don't get discouraged when it says you must keep something because we have an advocate that kept it for us. We have an advocate that has kept the law on our behalf and we will not come into judgment as a result of not keeping it because he was judged for us and we have his imputed righteousness granted to us. The Bible will not encourage and the Bible will not lead any but the elect. Now God used some non-elect people to say some things about God that we delight in. Uh, you know, for a long time I thought it was Nebuchadnezzar was the only one. But then I found Balaam. He had some really good things to say about God. And we go over there and we delight in them. But Balaam didn't. Balak didn't. All the hosts that they represented didn't have any encouragement in it. But God did use them to encourage the church. And the Bible will not be a seed to any but the elect. It is the seed that is sown. The world is the field, the seed is the word of God, and that word, the truth of the word, must go out, and God uses that seed, the seed of the gospel, as he does everything, comes forth after his kind. That's why we have children, they're like us, they come forth after our kind, and they come out spiritually dead, without help, without hope, without God in the world, and then by God's grace, he can reproduce after his kind, spiritually. The letter for the Jews was written in the king's name. And so it is when we begin to look at the word of God. This is written in the king's name. He has authenticated it. The king of heaven has authenticated his word. It is God's word. Uh, I've mentioned a number of times a, a translation that has the Old Testament where God spoke in red. And you flip through there and it's like the New Testament. Well, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a lot of it is red, especially the book of, of uh, Leviticus, the book of Numbers. God spoke much and he spoke it to a representative, to Moses. It was sealed with the king's seal, his ring. He said, God said, it is my word and it will not fail and it will not fall and I will stand by it and I will guide it to the hearts of those I intend to have it guided to and I will have it preached where I intend to have it preached and it will not be wasted. God did not waste any of the preaching of the Apostle Paul when he went to wherever he went to. Now Paul, like uh, some of us, have had desires to do things and were shut down. I thought when I, the Lord saved me, my goal was to go to 13th Street Baptist Church and sit down and listen. And the door was closed. So I listened to tapes. <laughs> we, just, we have things we want to do, but the Lord shut down the Apostle Paul and didn't allow him to go east, north, and sent him west. And since it was written in the king's name and sealed with the king's seal, it could not be reversed. Now, this is good news to the Jews. This is going to be really good news. You know, the fall is bad news. The fall is effectively bad news for all of us. We dislike having to admit that we're caught up in that fall. We'd like to be like those folks who say, I am the exception to the fall, but we're not. 
and we're only fooling ourselves. Well, the fall was bad news. Well, the, the edict by this Haman was terrible news to the Jews. On a certain day, every one of them were to be slaughtered, and the property that they owned was to be taken by those who slaughtered them. Well, now we find that a queen has appealed to the king, and Mordecai has appealed to the queen, and the king says, write a letter, and get it out as quickly as you can, and this is going to be good news. In fact, the last two verses of this chapter is the Jews in, uh, in uh, Shushan, the palace, are saying, hallelujah, we have hope, we have hope. Well, as we follow this, the letter for the Jews was written in the king's name. It was signed with the king's seal. You know, turn with me if you would. Keep your finger right there. And I know it's hard to do with your electronics. But, <laughs> but would you turn with me over to the book of, of 1 Peter? 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 24 and 25. Here we find God saying this about his word. It's almost like we read over there in Esther chapter 8, where it says that it cannot be reversed. We send this out. Now, God told Adam, the day you eat, you shall surely die. And when he ate, he surely died. And he passed that on to all of his children. And you know what? The good news is someone come and took that death that second death, that it was due us, the Lord Jesus. Well, look here at this word. For all flesh, verse 24 of 1 Peter chapter 1, for all flesh is as grass. Now, I love March and April in the Clickitats. <laughs> but it's not long. It is brown, brown, brown. And we go... Uh, 50 days without rain, and we say, is it going to burn up? Is it going to burn up? Is it going to burn up? And sometimes it does. Well, the, f the f uh, flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. It may look good for a season, but it's going to die. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof fadeth away. Speaking about us, this is a, a statement, a metaphorical statement about us. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So the gospel is going to be an everlasting blessing to the church. Throughout eternity, the word of God is going to be a blessing to the church, and it will not pass away. It will not give up. You know, we are thankful, as we read in the scriptures, from the very beginning until now, God's word has not changed and the gospel is still and always will be the gospel. But I do appreciate some of the Old Testament being fulfilled. Book of Leviticus. I'm thankful it was fulfilled in Christ. We don't have to have animal sacrifices. In fact, if we do, we're, we're idolatrous. We have Christ. We have him, the Lamb of God, that has taken away our sin. We have him to worship. We have, we have no need of anything else. And so if we're going to appropriate some of our love for these things, that, that's just idolatry. And it shares with us, well, we're in the very serious wrong if we have those. We appreciate that we don't have all that Old Testament uh, uh, sacrifices. We don't have, we're, we're not required to go to Jerusalem four times a year 
and have uh, sacrifices there and that sort of thing. We have the privilege of doing that every day. We, we bow before the king and we have sacrifices of joy and sacrifices of thanksgiving. We get to do that every day. But, and it's not drudgery. It's not work. It is it's our life is to bow before the king because he do, does all things well. The gospel has never and will never change. And the good news of a redeemer that actually redeems is our message. And a savior that actually saves is our message. That's, that's just glorious. You know, I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up. He's trying to get something done. I read something across the a rafter down there in rescue it said if your preacher is preaching a God that's trying your preacher's lying <laughs> and that's the truth if he's trying the preacher's lying well our God never tried to do anything he always does what he said he would do and he accomplished it always according to his eternal purpose all right going back to the book of of uh, Esther again if you would there in Esther chapter 8, in Esther chapter 8, we want to look there at verse 9. Esther chapter 8, verse 9. We've seen that the letter has gone out. And it's, it's been dictated. Good news, good news. Uh, th this is going to take place before the destruction of the Jews. You know, it, Haman said, we're going to wait a year. By God's providence, he moved Haman to take a year. And three months into this, Haman's gone, and we find out good news is coming. The letter's going out. That was bad news. <laughs> and the Jews, oh, they shuddered at it. But now the good news is going out, and it says here, Then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month, that is the month Sivan, on the third and twentieth day thereof, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded unto the Jews and to the lieutenants and to the deputies and rulers of the provinces. Does that cover about everybody? This is going out, and it's going to be good news to the Jews. Now, it may not be good news to those who thought they could overthrow the Jews. From India unto Ethiopia, a large piece of property was under the rule of Ahasuerus. And guess what? Who's second in command now? We'll find out it's Mordecai. And he has the interest of the church. We'll get there in just a minute. 127 provinces unto every province, according to the writing, unto every people after... Now notice this. What language did Mordecai, using the signet of the king and the command of the king send these letters out in. The language of the people. It didn't have to be interpreted. It was in the language. There might have been 127 languages. There might have been 500 languages. I don't know. But whoever got this message, it was in their language. That's so important. That's so important. The language, and to the Jews, according to their writing and according to their language. The king's command went out to all the realm, to 127 provinces, all of his realm. He's king over 127 provinces, and he intends for that letter to get out to 127 provinces. Not one is going to be left out. Now, there's some people are going to be left out, but the Jews are going to hear it in 127 provinces in the language that they understand. 
Now it just tells us that they have been assimilated in some places and they have languages in those places that they've moved to. How wise is that? How wise is that? Unto every people after their language or tongue. You know, turn with me. I heard part of this in Brother Mike's message on Sunday. Acts chapter 2. Would you turn with me to Acts chapter 2? Over in Acts chapter 2, what a blessing it was, and it wasn't gibberish. Just, you know, uh, Elamite language might have been gibberish to me. But it wasn't gibberish to an Elamite. We, we knew some folks that were down in, in South America, in one of those countries, and they spoke Spanish. But their heart language was Guatani. They loved you if you learned a little Guatani. Now they could understand Spanish and they could read Spanish, but the heart language was Guatani. Now it doesn't matter what language it's in, but the heart language is what we want to hear it in. All right, here in the book of Acts chapter 2, the book of Acts chapter 2. Now here in Acts chapter 2, we find out that God really is interested in getting His Word to the peoples and languages that He has appointed heirs according to grace in. He is very interested in them hearing the gospel in their language. I, I think it's preposterous for us to think that we have to educate uh, Russians in English so they can read a certain translation of the Bible. Why not just put it into their language? That's what they understand. All right, over here it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 8, And now hear we every man in our tongue wherein we were born. What did these Jews in the under Ahasuerus, what was their letter coming in? Oh, this isn't for you. This is for that group of people over there. Here's yours. They gave them the good news in the language that they understood. How important is that? Parthenians and Medes. Now, I don't know whether a Parthenian could understand a Mede, but a Parthenian could understand a Parthenian. And somebody that was preaching that day preached in Parthenian. And someone preached in Mede, and some preached in the Elamite language, and dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, and Pergia, Fergia, Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Roman Jews and proselytes. That's why we have 12 people preaching on the same day. Now, they weren't all standing right shoulder to shoulder preaching out there. They had their part, their people. As soon as they start preaching, the people that understood that start gathering around them. I'm convinced of that. And they heard what? Cretes and Arabians, we do hear in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, when those messages got out to the hinterlands of Ahasuerus' kingdom, and it was read in their language, you know what those Jews are going to do? They're going to rejoice. Because this means liberty. This means freedom. This means we have the ability of living. And so it is with every believer. John chapter 19. That's a very interesting verse of scripture over here in John chapter 19. 
you wonder why in the world would would Herod, not Herod, Pilate, Pilate. Why would Pilate, we know why he would put the superscription over there. This is the accusation that was leveled against the Lord Jesus, just like those thieves had an accusation put up there. This is why they're being punished. Well, here in the book of John, chapter 19 and verse 20, it's very interesting that the title then read, Many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. Now, did you notice how many languages are there? Why in the world would you have three languages there? So the people came could read it. We have Hebrews, we have Greeks, and we have Romans. We have people that read in different languages and everyone could read in their own language. What was it to those Jews that were in the hinterlands of, of this great 127 different diverse peoples, they got to read the letter in their language. How important and what blessed it is to God's people to get to hear the word of God in our language, just like these. And when it's all said and done, I got to hear the wonderful works of God. Now, down there where there's 157 languages in, I don't know, Brother Lance told me one time how many languages are down there in Papua New Guinea. And they have one language that everybody can understand a little bit of, Pigeon English, trade language, but when they really hear their language. Lance's dad spent 25 years translating the New Testament. That was a big work in their language. All right. The importance of declaring the word of God in the language of the people. Now, you know what the Lord led the Apostle Paul to say? If there was a language that nobody understood, if there's no interpreter, sit down and be quiet. That's about as simple as we can make it. If there is an interpreter, but Paul said, I'd rather speak five words in a known language than 10,000 in an unknown language. I went to hear a man preach in Spanish one time, and I, I understood uh, Dios, and there was two or three other words. I went there just because I love Brother Milton Howard, and he was preaching to a group of Hispanics in Malin, Oregon. But to me, I could have stayed home and watched Jeopardy. <laughs> it's so important to hear the Word of God in our language. And to hear it with heart language then. To have the Holy Spirit reveal it to our heart. How valuable is that? The message. Going back to the book of Esther now again. Book of Esther chapter 8. The book of Esther chapter 8. We look here again at this. These are just so full. Uh, these, these verses are so full of important truths. They're just crammed, compact together. Look here in chapter 8, and there in verse 10. Chapter 8, verse 10. And he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name, and sealed it with the king's ring, and sent letters by post on horseback, and riders of mules, camels, and young dromedaries. Now, in a couple of the translations that I read, they picked 
quick animals. They had fast horses and fast mules. They wanted this message to get out as quickly as possible. And we find that there was some people that did that. It says they sent the letters by posts. You know, in the Bible, we find out that these people that were sent out are called evangelists. They have good news and they're in a hurry to get it out. The message was sent out with haste by posts on horseback, riders on mules and camels and young dromedaries. There's two or three places that we find in the Bible that this is used, but another one is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 30. So if you turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 30, we have again, posts are sent out, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, that it's, it's been brought to the attention of the king that they have not had the Passover for a long, long time. And he's, you know, we can say he should have known about it. The priest should have known about it. How easy it was for the priest to forget. When you don't know anything, it's easy to forget everything. So it come to the attention of the king. We haven't had the Passover. And chapter 30, beginning with verse 1. Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh. Where are they? They're on the other side of the Jordan River. Get some letters over there. And they, that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem and keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel. For the king had taken counsel and his princes and all the congregation in Jerusalem to keep the Passover in the second month. For they could not keep it at the, that time because the priests had not sanctified themselves sufficiently. Neither had the people gathered themselves together to Jerusalem. And the thing pleased the king and all the congregation. So they established a decree to make proclamation throughout all Israel. Once again, this is where it's going to go. And it's a proclamation. The Lord, the Lord used the Apostle Paul to say it's a declaration. I declare unto you the gospel. A proclamation. He's proclaiming this about this. For they had not done it for a long time in such sort as it was written. So the post went out with letters from the king. You know, as evangelists, the only thing we have is the word of God. We, we, we cannot make it. We don't have to be offensive because there is an offense about the cross. It's just a natural offense. When it comes down to it, the absolute necessity of someone way higher than we are, the Son of God, laying down his life, a ransom for many on the cross, is so detestable in our mouth. It is that wormwood. After the Lord saves us, it is such a blessing to know what he did. They post pass from city to city. Ye children of Israel, turn again unto the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, the covenant God, the God of grace, the God of graciousness, the God of elective grace, and he will ret return to the remnant of you that are escaped out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and be not ye like your fathers and like your brethren which trespassed against the Lord God of your fathers, who therefore gave them up to the desolation as ye see. 
Now be ye not stiff-necked, as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord, and enter into his sanctuary, which he hath sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. For if you turn again unto the Lord, your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that lead them captive, so that they shall come again into this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him. So the post passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh, even unto Zebulon, but they laughed them to scorn. What else should we expect? They laughed them to scorn and mocked them. Verse 11, grace. Nevertheless, some of Asher and Manasseh and Zebulon were humbled and came to Jerusalem. The work of grace. The work of grace. But posts went out. Now they had nothing to do with the growth. They had nothing to do with the sprouting. They had nothing to do. What do we find? One man planted, another man watered, God gave the increase. He's the only one that can. All right? We find that uh, in Acts chapter 21, in Acts chapter 21, we have the evangelists, those that are sent with the good news, the evangelists, Acts chapter 21. These are the posts of today. These are the ones that are taking the word out today. These are the ones God has called today. You know, every one of us are posts in some sense. In Acts chapter 21 and there in verse 8, the word says, In the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. Philip the Evangelist. Who gave, God, who gave this man this uh, name, this title? God. It wasn't something that Philip assumed. It was something God gave him. I was sharing with someone not too long ago about uh, we have a capital P shepherd. Excuse me, capital S shepherd. We have a capital P pastor. All of those are in capitals with the Lord. Now, if we happen to have that fit us, it's small. It's small letters. We don't want to be capital P. We want to be small P's, small pastors. We, don't want, we have one capital E evangelist. The rest of us are little e evangelists. That's where we find ourselves and are glad to be there in that group. So, and in 2 Timothy, would you look with me in 2 Timothy as we see these posts going on 127 different provinces throughout Ahasuerus's place of reign. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and there in verse 5 it says this, but watch thou in all things. He's, he's writing to Timothy. Watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. What's the work of an evangelist? Take the word of God. Don't write a book and then teach that. Take the word of God. And finally, in the book of Ephesians, we read this. 
Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and there in verse 11, I believe it is. Yes, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, pastor teachers. But we have that, we are evangelists, we are pastor teachers, we are prophets. We don't prophesy and things that in the future we declare what has already been taking place. So as we look at this, we find that those posts went out, they had good news in their saddlebags. And it was written in the king's, in the language of the people, signed by the king or the signet, sent out by fast dromedaries, mules, horses, whatever, camels, was sent out and it needed to get there by a certain day and guess what it did? Same thing. The word is going to get out by a certain day. And after that, it's going to be wrapped up when the full number is gathered in. The king's decree and the, and the authority of the king was made known. And it was in such a way that the people knew this is right. All right. Go back to the book of Esther. And I'd like to read verse uh, Esther chapter 8 again. In Esther chapter 8. Now, if, if our Old Testament was put in chronological order, Esther would be one of the three last books. Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Okay, here in Esther chapter 8. And... Uh, Verse 11, this is the writing, wherein the king granted the Jews which were in every city to gather themselves together and to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take spoil of them for prey. Upon one day in all the provinces, the king Ahasuerus, namely upon the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month Adar. And the copy of the writing for the commandment was to be given in every province was published unto all people, and that the Jews should be ready against the day of, to avenge themselves of their enemies. So the posts that rode upon mules and camels went out being hastened and pressed by the king's commandment, and the decree was given at Shushan the palace. So we have it given, they're gone. And verse 15, I'd like to just say a few words about verse 15, our time is approaching. And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white and with a great crown of gold and with a garment of fine linen and purple in the city of Shushan, rejoiced and was glad. Mordecai, Mordecai went out. Now Mordecai had been promoted to the chief minister. He's second in command. He was given a royal uniform. He was arrayed in royal dress and insignia. It was a statement of his position. When I was still teaching, I was invited to go down to Fort Bliss. And we flew down with several members of the army, and one of them was a colonel. And he, very easy to visit with, all of them were. They were counting on us helping students to make some decision about a career 
and a lot of students don't know have any idea in the world what they want to do. Well, anyway, we were down there, and we were in a barracks. Now, everybody is dressed in the same uniform as that colonel, but when he walked down through that hall, all of those young folks got up against the wall, stood straight, and saluted for only one. Now, he was in command, there's no question, but they recognized something that he wore that they didn't wear. It was a little thing on his shoulder. Now, I can't remember what it was, but anyway, I looked at that and we went into the PX and here's all of those, all of those different uh, insignias, all of these, whether you're private through colonel. And I said, point out the one that you wear. And he did. And I says, I think I'll buy this because I want the students at school to back up against the wall and salute me when I go down through there. But, you know, I just said that to say this, Mordecai was dressed according to the king's command because he had been chosen and he had the insignia that he was in command. Now, when he began, he's just like our Savior. Do you remember him in the, there out front? I mean, we have, we see our dear Lord Jesus come in common dress, just like we are. And he was rejected because of that. Turn with me to Isaiah 53 and verse 3. Isaiah 53 and verse 3. Mordecai gives us a picture that as the Lord Jesus came down here and wore what we are, he wore flesh like we do, there was no respect for him by natural man whatsoever. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3. We read these words. Isaiah 53 and verse 3. It says, he, now did you notice this verb in this? He is. I've probably quoted that wrong a thousand times. He was. But he is. He still is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. For we hid as it were our faces from him, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. He is despised. Now that's what he went through while he was on this earth. And we find enough verses of scripture that declare that I'm a worm and no man, a reproach of men, despised of the people. And this one I want to read, and with this we'll probably close. Psalm 69, and we'll come back to this, we'll come back to this next time. Psalm 69, as, Ahash, as uh, excuse me, Haman, as Haman gives us a wonderful picture of our Savior, he came, Psalm uh, 69, and verse 10, or 20, excuse me, verse 20. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. What a statement about the Lord during his personal ministry here upon the earth. And then we find 
the Word was made flesh. That's exactly what he came to do. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was transfigured before them and he showed us his royal uniform and insignia. That which he had before the world began. So we're going to look at Mordecai a little bit next, more next time about coming out away from the king. Uh, he's not departing the king. He's just leaving him to go out and look what he's wearing and look at our king wrapped in glory, wrapped in glory. All right, we'll stop there for tonight.